Turkey hunting is one of my favorite things. And one of the key tools I use for turkey hunting is the Onyx Hunt Map. I use it incessantly when I'm hunting turkeys. Being able to find a new piece of public or gaining permission on private opens up opportunities for gobblers. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you this spring. Use the code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. You'll find more birds this season. I'm telling you, I rely on Onyx Hunt when I'm hunting turkeys. It is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. If you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Uh, you know you've, you're, you're mature when you can sit down with a game warden and not be real nervous. Are you not nervous? No, I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> Yanni, I notice, is a little fidgety. He's fidgeting like he's hiding something right now. <laughs> um, Eric. Yes. Yeah, Eric Crawford. Introduce right. yourself. Uh, Eric Crawford. We'd, we'd call you a game warden. Is that what you like to go by? You, you, you can call me a game warden. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, professionally referred to as a, a conservation officer. Or a fish cop. That's one of the many terms <laughs> that are and, used. And a buck cop. Endearingly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you would so so give your official title. Like, what, what's your business card say on it? Uh, it would say uh, regional investigator, actually. So, and so of in Idaho, Idaho and, fishing game, and yeah. you have a so you have a region within the state. Yeah, I work out of the the Clearwater region, okay. which is kind of central central north central Idaho. What does like a regional investigator? So you're not out driving around in a marked pickup with a gun on your whole, you know, hip. No, that's not your deal. I am not. No, I, uh, more of a, uh, I guess you could say, uh, a support function to the uniform officers now. Mm -hmm. Um, a bit more of a, a technical expertise, whether it's with search warrants, um, writing them or executing them. And also, um, electronic, um, I guess you could say evidence, so whether it's um, 
stuff associated with those search warrants, say cell phones and searches of cell phones gotcha. and or uh, electronic surveillance. So more of a passive, passive type stuff. Hey, Yanni, who was it? Oh, real quick though. Remy's here. Remy Warren. How's it going? Uh, command master hunter, Remy Warren. We're actually hunting with Remy right now, taking a little break. Um, Remy, tell me all about it. You got a bull today? Yeah, I shot a nice bull today. I heard some words I never thought Steve would say. Hey, why don't you shoot him first? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. That's my... Uh, I, I try to like be generous, man. I don't know. Last time I felt you were like you were like... Step back, I'm going to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> he was worried about your ears, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, actually, last time, I think you used me as a rest once. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, you remember? Yeah, I, 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 almost, I almost used you as a rest today. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Should have, actually. Um, no, so Remy got a bull today. That was fun. Uh, where was it? Everything that? appeared to be legal. Yeah, we're we're not in your jurisdiction, though. Yeah, but you still like to sniff around. Yeah, I still have brothers over here that I can sniff around. Yeah, we actually even we even abided by rules that don't even exist anymore, just in case. Yeah, the ones that are ingrained in you, like cut the tag before you do anything, and even though they've changed the the lingo a little bit, Montana. But did you uh, had you spent time as a? Oh, let me ask this first. Who, raise your hand if you've had violations. I've had two violations, but they're PFD violations. The same place, opening day duck season, two years in a row, I got tickets for not having a PFD. And hear me out. We were only using the canoe to put decoys in because it was so shallow. We would just wear our waders and drag the decoys in the canoe. Get a ticket. Canoe and no life things. I'm like, but we're not ticket even- Ticket or a warning? No, a $75 ticket. We're like, but we're not using the like. We're just, and so the next year, I'm like, what's the chance that happened twice? Get done, duck on a different gentleman <laughs> pulls in, writes just the same damn ticket. <laughs> so that's my so only. Now real, you carry a PFD. Yeah, all that's time. my only bad violations. Now, Yanni, what kind? What all violations have you had? It wasn't really me, but I was involved <laughs> in a violation. I, I'm a little embarrassed to tell it because I'm kind of going to. You don't have to tell I, it. I'm going to throw my dad under the bus. Your dad, your dad is a violator. Well, to get me hunting, Giannis' dad is also Giannis. Out of state, we uh, with everybody being named Giannis, we had <laughs> like basically I had like a different dad in a different state once, and it caught up to us. Oh, jeez, Giannis, that's a that's a residency issue, yeah. is what we call that. Yeah, <laughs> a wrong class license, which is pretty serious. Yeah, yeah. In so, Idaho, it's a mandatory revocation. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. For how long? Uh, minimum of one year. Good, because so, we were just in, in our pre-discussion. We were talking about some, and we'll get to this. We were looking at some violations in, in the fines, and uh, Yanni and I were quite surprised that, that it seemed pretty lenient, some of the fines. Yeah. Like most- if we were playing like prices right on violations, I would have guessed, I would have been throwing out numbers way higher. Sure. Yeah, and some of that stuff hasn't been adjusted for inflation, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that, that's for sure. Like if there's no, if there's no, if the if the fine doesn't go up in twenty years, it winds up seeming like very outdated. 
It, it would. Yeah. It would. But so and when you think about penalties, you know, so penalties come in two, two forms, financial or loss of privileges. Yeah. And so mainly the, many of the prosecutors kind of weigh that in their consideration of what they're going to either plead it out or try to get for a penalty. So, I mean, sometimes money doesn't mean anything to anybody. But losing privileges does. Oh, yeah, and so I got you. Privileges anymore are far-reaching because of this thing called the Wildlife Violator Compact. Which, yeah, explain that. See, we're getting backlogged on things you need to explain. But since we're on that, explain that because that's good stuff, man. So there's, uh, I believe it's up to 42 states now. Is that, it really? Yeah. I remember yeah. it was just like the West and Pennsylvania yep. or something like yep. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now there's, there's 42 states. I, I believe it's up to 42 Um and so if you're revoked in one of those states, you're revoked in all those other states. Can I go out on a limb? Out on a limb and say that Texas is not one of the 42. I, I, don't, I don't know which, which aren't. They're getting there, though. They're I could there. just picture him being like, not on that list. <laughs> yeah, we, we need a fact checker. Yeah. See which my friend Doug Duran's real good at it, but he's not here right now. He'd already, he'd already be fat. Doug already, really? You're going to remember yeah. fact check? I need to find my phone. Yeah, I could I could think of a handful of digital radio programs that could use a staff fact checker. Um, you look that up, Remy. Yep, got is it. it. Remy's on it. You report back to us, Remy. So isn't doesn't Wisconsin deer season open like shortly? Yes, sir. you know. Yeah, my friends in Wisconsin are always shocked when I don't when I have to double check about when <laughs> it opens, but it's like some Saturday. Oh, so it could be this Saturday. Saturday. It is tomorrow. So. Uh, so yeah, you lose your privileges in one state and you lose them in 42 states. Yeah. And that, that started it, in the West, right? It, was like, it did. Oh, yeah. yeah, Idaho was one of the original members of the compact. Yeah. And so you can understand why it started in the West because who comes to hunt the West a lot of the times, mm-hmm. you know? Easterners. Well, exactly. And so if they just oh, skip, they just go bu- back. They just bump on to the next state. <laughs> Yeah, if they just skate, go back to their eastern state and we're like, ah, who cares? You know, yeah. I'm revoked in Idaho. I'll just hunt but Colorado in my home state. Yeah, yeah. But it, now, now it's far-reaching. Yeah. So let me back up to some of the things I wanted to, to, to get some clarity on. Sketch out for me real quickly, like like uh, how how you became what you are. So you went, you studied what in school? So yeah, so I. Uh, um, so I have an associate's in environmental studies and a bachelor's in fisheries. Okay. So I grew up back east, uh, went to college in a, uh, upstate New York for a stint, and then back to Pennsylvania to a state school. And then uh, when I was completing my, uh, my senior year and my bachelor's, um, I, had to, I was in the senior seminar class and had to look for jobs. You know, you, you learn to write a resume and all that. And then like you the got, focus of the class is looking for jobs. Pretty much, and writing resumes. And yeah. so I had already spent a uh, summer in Southeast Alaska on an internship. And so I knew, I knew I wanted to come back west, even though Alaska is a little bit different than Idaho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I learned pretty quick that after our stint in Alaska, it wouldn't be nearly as fun going back just because of what we were doing and all the things we got to do. And so uh, I just happened to apply for a job in Idaho and came out and worked as a fishery seasonal for two years. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, and then a wildlife seasonal for two more. So many guys I know that uh, wound up doing fish and wildlife work would do those seasonal 
it, gigs to start out. Yeah, and that's what do like signing on to research programs. And, yep, and that's what uh, that's what pretty much everybody does. That's pretty much your foot in the door. So that's just how it works. Yeah. It, it's not how it works. It just you know you need to gain experience somehow, mm-hmm. and so. You know, I worked back east in New York State for uh, as a fisheries technician for a, a season, and then went to Alaska, and then came to Idaho. And so I had a little bit of a resume building, and so it just built here. And and quite honestly, when I when I got to Idaho, I, I had no intentions of being a game warden whatsoever. And so I uh, one of the seasons I worked in wildlife, I was trapping bears, black bears, um, for research. We were using aldrich snares to do it. And so one of the, the game wardens came out to work with me. And I'd known him for a couple of years. Trapping bears out in the woods or trapping yeah. bears that were no, problem, no, no. problem out bears? No, no, no. Out in the middle of it. And yeah. what kind of snares? Did foot snares, Aldrich. Right? Yeah. Yeah, foot snare. Yeah. And so one of the game wardens came out and was helping me. And, and so he had had a master's degree. So the unwritten rule in the agency is that you have to have a master's as a minimum to be a biologist. You know, there certainly are other avenues to do that. And so um, he had a master's and I couldn't understand why I was a game warden. And so here we are sitting on a river eating lunch. And he, and he it was, yeah, he was just like, listen, what, we're out here. Where's your supervisor? In the office, you know, we're out doing the fun stuff. And the light came on. I was like, yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, I should probably be a game warden. And the kind of, you know, that was 16 years ago. Uh-huh. So yeah, just because of that, little lunch on the river with the game warden that was your epiphany it was it was so did you for a while become a game warden what, what do you call the version of it like a what do you call a warden who is just out in his patrol vehicle checking licenses just a regular old so it would be uh you start out in idaho as a conservation officer when okay. you first come on and you're in that position for about a year and then you jump up to a senior conservation officer. And okay. so that would be the actual uh, uniform function, the patrol function, where you have a patrol area. And, and this is kind of a... And you did that for a while. Yeah, for the vast majority of my career. Um, I worked as an investigator for almost five years in another region and then came back to investigations just a few years ago. But the vast majority of my time was in uniform. And so I've had the, the pleasure of working all around the state so far. But the, the interesting thing in Idaho, um, there's only 77 uniform officers. And so on average, a uh, uniform guy has uh, 1,100 square miles to patrol in the state of Idaho. So bigger, you know, yeah, huge in Eastern standards. Yeah. So Have you ever figured out the ratio of uh, hunters per... Per, per square mile? No, hunters per war, uh, officer. Oh, no. So, yeah, I'm not sure how many. I think we, I don't, I don't even know how many hunting licenses You got that sell. on your list there, Remy? Uh, hunters find, per game warden. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, I, find I, out? oh, yeah, yeah. The states, uh, Texas gets a little redemption because they're oh, they not are. on the list. Delaware, Hawaii, Massachusetts, Nebraska, and New Jersey. Not on the list. Yeah, those are the ones that aren't on there. And it looks like most of them except for Nebraska and maybe New Jersey are in the process of changing yeah so huh well there you go um so now you're gonna work on how many light yeah the ratio of hunters (laughs) per officers now uh someone was recently saying to Giannis that he's a, a conservation officer was saying to Giannis right he's like I don't need to go out in the field anymore. I got Facebook. 
Yeah, it, it certainly can be a tool, and it's kind of funny because the, the younger officers, I mean, they, they like being on there. I, I don't have the patience for it, but it's, it, we've gotten to a society that you know, likes to promote themselves. Oh, yeah. And, and some of society isn't necessarily as smart as they should be with what they promote. You know, and um, I, I, in a way, in the 16 years that I've been a, a CEO, things have changed drastically in those 16 years of um, people's motivations and whatnot to 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 violate, and some of it's self-promotion and want to be want to be known. That's what those boys said down in um, <clears throat> oh, in, not in Kentucky. Where did we cross the river and went into what was what state did we go into? Was it Ohio? No. Sure we weren't in Kentucky? I thought we crossed. Hunting swamp rabbits? Yeah. We were still in Kentucky? We were in Kentucky. We were Anyways, maybe we were with wardens that worked both sides of the river. But yeah, I was like, they kept talking about these rings. And, and like these guys were, they were drug dealers, right? Yep. Yeah. And they bust up this poaching ring. And I'm trying to think like, well, why is there a poaching ring? And... Finally, so I asked him, like, well, why are they poaching? He's like, oh, just so they can brag. Yeah, and sometimes you see, you know, as far as a poaching ring, I mean, I haven't been exposed to a ring, but you'll definitely see, you know, there's value in wildlife, whether it's in the sale of the meat or the sale of the antlers. I mean, antlers are worth a lot of money, either if you're selling them by poundage. Do you ever catch anyone who's selling meat? Uh, we have knowledge of people that are selling meat, yeah. Oh, yeah. Into what, like, how are they going about it? So, um, advertise on Craigslist. Oh, no shit, really? Sometimes. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, I one time went to this dinner. I went to this dinner one time down in, it was in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Is that kind of like a, like a, not a hippy dippy town, but like kind of like a cool little town? Charlotte. No, it's a giant city of the South. I was in some cool little town. In North Carolina, Asheville. Yes, that's it. Who said yeah, that? Remy. Did you fit? Did you Google that? Massive, cool little town. <laughs> you, you, He's a fact you, checker. You, He's Googled, to trace. you Googled cool, cool little town in North Carolina. <laughs> so yeah, I was there, and I go to this thing. This guy's having this wild game dinner, and I'm already smelling the fish because he's selling tickets to it. Yep. So he's charging seventy five dollars a plate to have a wild game dinner, and you come in there, and he, he said. I had kind of been in on this from the ground. I'm like, you can't do that. Like, I know people do it for fundraisers. So this guy comes out and says, oh, we're doing it as a fundraiser for the TRCP. So I quickly call the TRCP and I'm like, hey, man, tell me when a donation comes in. From it never came in. Yeah. But here's what kind of messed it up too is the dude serves one of the dishes and he said, oh, it's alligator snapper from such and such river. And, you know, as you know, there's, you know, you're not, there's not a harvest on alligator snappers out there right now. And I later learned he was way off. There are no alligator snappers in that river. So then I didn't know if the whole thing was just a sham. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. just selling whatever and acting like yeah. it's. Yeah. And we don't. Would you yeah, ever I mean, bust you someone don't, for that? You don't see somebody that, that is that. Uh, yeah. That is that out, out there. You, what, what we see kind of nowadays is pretty much the sale of antlers or the sale of meat, but it's mainly associated with, with drugs, say meth, you know, somebody that's a meth user. It's easy to get antlers. It's easy to get, um, meat. Oh, like trying to raise money. 
Yeah, somebody yeah. that's an addict. You, you know, for example, so a couple of years ago, I get a call. It's January. I think it was like a January 10th or so. Get a call from the, the local dispatch. Um, I guess we got it from our Citizens Against Poaching hotline that this person was calling in to report a guy was going out, out to help his buddy um, retrieve a moose. Now, moose season had been closed for, for months. It's January 10th. There's no big game season other than lion open at that time of the year and so lo and behold we go out there in the middle of the night and actually contact these two guys and so the interesting thing was is that the guy that was doing the shooting he had an appearance two days from then for possession of meth oh really yeah and so those are the kind of people that you deal with you know and he yeah, wanted to he thought he's gonna sell the head i don't know what he was thinking you know, but it, it was, was probably something along the lines. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and he, they didn't have a moose. They didn't harvest oh. a moose. Um, they had shot at deer. I mean, it was very apparent. You could, there was snow on the ground, and so you could. They had spotlights, and yeah, it was. He, uh, you know, he was hidden up on the hill when we got there, and it's pitch dark, so it's a little bit of a safety issue, you know. And so he ended up coming out, and then uh, ended up finding his backpack, backtracking him in the snow, and finding his backpack. And then going through it, he had this uh, fairly, uh, family heirloom, uh, 22, with a uh, contractor's laser uh, electrical tape to the barrel. Dude, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And, but then here was the, get, the getter. So, and then he had a knife. And it was, it was a lock blade. So you open it up. And on it says, poacher. And there's a whole bunch of hashtags on it. No shit. Yeah. And he claims that somebody gave it to him. But... That, that kind of explains the mind of people, you know, that, I mean, it, it, it's the things that we see as officers or, or game wardens are a lot of people, you, you, you couldn't even dream it up, you know? But what's the, what's the most common, what's the most common violation? So generally, uh, as a patrol guy, it would be like fishing without a license, you know? Somebody's just going to go fish and, you know, you take can, their chance. You're just going to write that ticket all day long. Yeah. All day long. Man, between streaming services, fitness apps, and delivery services, it's never ending. I'm talking about the, the, the subscriptions, the monthly dings on your credit card. Well, thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app. It goes in and finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. Meaning, you know, like, let's say there's like a show that comes out and you want to watch it and you wind up doing like this free trial and you forget about it. And then two years later, you realize you're paying those hosers 12 bucks a month for something you don't use. It finds that stuff, cancels it. It helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings instead. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all the app's features. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Again, rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside, planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing, taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. 
I've said it for a thousand times. I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance. And man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to PolicyGenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's PolicyGenius.com. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. And I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's, I'm in the navel, and I hear, I'll like instinctively pull up Bubbly Doug's place on on X, and I'll look at the topography, and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them, okay, comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them, to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you too. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this turkey season. What's the most common hunting related violation? Uh, probably evidence of sex. You know, and sometimes you got to do, you know, so, you know, as a uniform guy, you're looking for compliance right? It's a great day when everybody is compliant, you know, and then you want to balance that with deterrence, right? So you got to present this charade that you're everywhere all the time, you know, to, to, so people don't violate because they're afraid they're going to get caught, right? But if they know they're not going to get caught, then there's no motivation to not violate. Well, that's what, that's Aldo Leopold's famous line is ethics, you know, your hunting ethics are what you do when you know you won't be caught. And so, I, yeah, a term that I use anymore are situational ethics. Okay. You know, and so um, each situation dictates the, the ethics. And so during the course of my career, you see different ethics depending on which part of the state you might work in. You know, we had a, a the, the Citizens Against Poaching program have a bunch of trailers with a bunch of seized um, heads in them, taxidermied, you know, and stories related to it. And so we were running one of those trailers in a, in a small rural town and this very nice older gentleman came up and was thanking us for the, the job that we did and um, so on and so forth. But then he stopped and said, I don't care how, how hard you boys work. It's just a way of life here. That's what we do is poach. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it, it kind of takes the wind out of your sails. You're like, hey, thanks for being so appreciative, but thanks for telling us that we're not having a, we're not being, you know, deterring your, your behavior. And yeah. that's just kind of how it, how it rolls, you know? Wow. And so you just got to balance that deterrence and compliance. You know, like, a, for example, I'm a field training officer, so I get to train 
newer COs. And so, you know, you might have a, a close season elk, for instance, and solve the case. So you, you collect some kind of firearms evidence, ballistics evidence, and link it all up, and the whole case is, is solved. You know who your suspect is, they get prosecuted. But the thing that I relay to a young officer is, we might have caught the bad guy, but that elk's still dead. Yeah, it, It's not walking around anymore, you know? And that's what, you know, hopefully that's what you want to do is have a much of a deterrence factor so that stuff doesn't happen. My older brother, um, he's a half-brother. Like my, my father had a son long, you know, he was a grown man by the time I was born. Um, he was a game warden in Colorado. And he once worked a case where a guy was culvert trapping black bears, but then selling them to clients. Oh, geez. But what he would do is he'd open the door on the culvert and the client would shoot the bear when it come out of the thing. And he had all these pictures he showed me where he stakes it out with the camera where the guy's releasing the bear. Yeah. And the guy opens the culvert and the bear runs out and the, the guy, the shooter, misses the bear. So the bear just gets away. But he goes and takes the guy to court and presents it. And the only thing he got the guy on was something because the guy never killed the bear. It was like some discharge in a firearm or... Yeah, and, and sometimes... He's like, there's no dead animal. Yeah, and... and no, and, no, it was the guy got a legal transport of wildlife. Oh, the, the guy that the was... The culvert trapper. Yeah. And so, yeah, some of that, you know, you got to look at the, the code. You know, that's what we enforce is mm-hmm. um, Idaho code. It's specifically Title 36. And so, as an officer, you have to really learn the definitions. So, um, you know, the, the definition of, like, take is all-encompassing. You know, it's... Uh, any attempt to do so, you know, is pretty much how it sums it up. You know, the pursuit, actually hunting, it, it's it's very broad. And so knowing that, you understand, you, you get a better understanding of how you need to react to a certain situation mm-hmm. in the field. Like when you see in a regs, attempt to take. Yeah, attempt yeah. to take, yeah. Now, so you don't have to actually kill something. Yeah, exactly, when, you, when you're attempt. trying to do it. When, uh, so... Not leaving evidence of sex mm-hmm. on a quartered out animal is a very common violation. It would, yeah, it is. And a, and a lot of times it's just somebody gets carried away and chops the necessary items off, you know, when they're skinning it or quartering it. And so it's just one of those things. You can use it as an educational tool. Yeah. What's another, what, what are some more common ones? Is wanton waste common or not common? It's not so common. Um, so you see good compliance there. You do, you do, you do. And it's kind of interesting. So in that same little rural town, you know, you try to make inroads. You know, the sec- success of a, a, of a uniform guy really relies on um, the relationships, right? So if they appreciate, at least in my experience, if they appreciate you beyond just being the game warden, you know, if, you, if, if they see that you're treating everybody the same, you know, then they're going to give you a little bit more respect. And so, but for whatever reason, in, in those rural towns, they're like, hey, you know, people got to eat. And as long as they're not wasting it, it's none of my business. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, you know, it's like, well, listen, you know, that might have been the case back in the depression years, but there's lots of programs anymore where, you know, you, you can get meat to fill your freezer, you know, other than poaching the state's wildlife, yeah. you know, and it's, I mean, in the end, it's, it's all of our wildlife, right? You know, whether you're a licensed buyer or not, or appreciate wildlife in general. And so that's kind of the sad thing to, you know, you, you can't break it 
get over that hump with them you know it's yeah, just like i understand that it's more than it's i heard more that than growing we, up all the time like if someone's using it needs it it's more well, I think even now i think people the, would argue that point well it's like, in the rules man do you, does idaho have the deal where shooting trophy animals is way worse than oh shooting yeah nuns? yeah or, yeah they're, they're they're associated with trophy penalties so break that down for people so in, in idaho there's a, a general civil penalty and so I, I believe, and I can't rattle off the, the actual numbers, but I think it's a, like for an elk, it would be just generally elk. It would be a $750 civil penalty. Okay, that's what's assessed. I think that's right. For Remy, poach, poach Remy you want a fact check. Fact check. How's yeah. going on the other projects? Yeah, I, I got it. We got, oh, for the, for the game wardens? The, the closest I could find was just broken down by number of people. California is the worst uh, for game wardens per hunter, yeah, it's um, one hundred eighty-five thousand. <laughs> oh <my laughs> <God>. <laughs> that's not hundred. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. population. And then oh, Montana, ha- in contrast, Montana has about eighty-eight hundred, and Wyoming is eighty-five hundred. Alaska has one for every. Yeah, and 16, that's about seven. Those 000. are state troopers. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that's just uh, that's just population. That's not actual yeah, hunters exactly. or so licensed you gotta, buyers. Then you can you can kind of draw some conclusions from there. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if ten percent of the population hunts, yeah. be, but then a California has one of the lowest participation rates. Exactly, sub one percent. I think New yeah. Jersey and California are sub one percent. Where were? We? Oh yeah, so shooting big critters compared to little critters. Yeah, and so then it it, it jumps up. Okay, so uh, like a trophy, what would it be? A trophy, which is bounces off of the, the Boone and Crockett definition of trophy. It would be what the minimum is okay. for antler size, um, with the exception of any sheep, any mountain goat, any moose, um, any caribou, mountain caribou. They, those have specific, there's no trophy associated with it, just straight up um, $10,000 um, oh, trophy fine. Big yeah. ass fines. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so, so why, okay, why that? Why is it 760 for an elk and 10,000 for a mountain goat? So that would be just for, uh, so if they take a, a, um, and I should have the the numbers in front of me, I don't want to misquote them, but so a, uh, so like a cow elk close season, it would be 750. All right. That would be the civil penalty. But if it was a bull elk and it was trophy, I think it jumps up to 2000. And so those are those inflation numbers, right? They may not have been, they haven't been adjusted Adjusted. for forever, you know, but but it is, it is trying to send a message is trying to differentiate Mm -hmm. the pot hunter Mm -hmm. from the guy who's the swinging dick bragging hunter. Well, I think it just, I don't think that's really the necessarily the intention of it. You know, it's just, I think that, society or hunters value trophy animals more mm-hmm. you know and so there's just more value placed on those individual animals as compared to a cow elk or a, a, a doe mule deer or white tail so you don't think it's a way to like be lenient on people who are shooting poaching for meat no no not at all it's, it's just, just a, it's what's a the value, value system the, yeah. the value of the animal to the state yeah you know? yeah exactly and so you know and all of that is is you know it, it, it's idaho law and so it's it's enacted by the legislature of the state and so which you know do as the people want theoretically and so that's how those things come about yeah do you feel that um and, and i don't want to put you in any kind of uh situation where you're you know 
where, where you're saying stuff you shouldn't say or, you know, where, where you're walking too fine of a line. But do you feel that people in enforcement, such as yourself, do they generally feel that, man, we should be um, having steeper penalties or should, this should, you know, I can't believe this guy got off with this amount of money. Or do you generally feel like that the, the, the punishment fits the crime? So I think generally, it, you don't even have to break it down in, into terms of enforcement personnel or, or somebody else, you know. I mean, even you just a second and said, man, why, why is it so low, you know? Yeah. I mean, so I, I think the general public would, would think you know, depending on how egregious the crime is, and you see it all the time, you know, on the internet anymore, that people are, are very hyped up when there's good penalties. I mean, you'll see it, it'll, it'll hit the internet and it, it, it's great and people are happy with that and, you know, or if it's a bad penalty, I mean, you'll see it, that on the internet, you know, in social media that, man, why didn't he get more of a fine or more of a, yeah. a revocation? And so, you, you know, it's, it's as much of a, it's kind of interesting because here we are as, as sportsmen and we, we do our part in conservation, but there's one more step. And that's, you know, we always talk about biology as a course of conser conservation, but rarely do we talk about enforcement, you know? And so that's more of a way for the public to get involved is in enforcement, not only reporting violations, but taking note to these penalties that are assessed and even, you know, doing whatever to enhance penalties. Yeah. Yanni, tell them about the violation we uh, reported the other night. Mm. <laughs> it's a long story. I was, we just happened to be hunting near a uh, populated area, but we just happened to have national forests, like, you know, right behind yeah. folks' houses. And uh, Steve had never been in that situation. So he was a little uneasy about it. I'm like, yeah, but it's like, it's fine. Like we're following the rules. Like it's all good. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, we as long killed, as you're not, we killed like, elk there, killed elk there, killed elk there. There's a sign. We're on national forest. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you don't like shoot at the elk when the houses are, yeah. you know, on the other side of the elk. Just feel funny. Yeah. You sure. Being like, per you're on a national <laughs> forest, but you're perched up above like a, a small town. And I also yeah. said, I said, there's some locals running around here. <laughs> that no matter what how, what kind of mistake we could possibly make, they've already done it and probably done it tenfold. And not what, 10 or 15 minutes later, we hear shots ring out and we're like, shit, that's close. We're, you know? we're like, I'm, I'm thinking about hitting the dirt. <laughs> yeah. And we finally find, <laughs> Four shots. find the uh, origin of these shots and we see a dude running. <laughs> like we couldn't really see where he was taking the shots from, but we see him running down a road back to his truck no orange on. No, running down the road with a rifle. With a rifle. No orange with on. With cars blowing past. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, throws his rifle in the truck, puts his <laughs> orange on. In Colorado, you have to have a hat on. Doesn't put a hat on, then grabs his rifle and more ammo and continues to go up the hill. So but, we don't then, know if he was, he might have been 50 feet from the center line, which is what no, she had to because be then there. He, yeah, but then he finagles his way back down the road, touches off six more rounds to make a total of 10 rounds. Jeez. And then the next time I shine my, like, like, aim my binoculars down there, he's being visited by a police <laughs> officer. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's amazing how people just lose their mind over, over wildlife. I mean, it, it's just, yeah. it, it's kind of startling that, that they they would do that you know it's like ha have a little respect for for the wildlife and fair chase for that matter 
you Is know? It, and I, I mean, I, I don't understand it. Do you know, have you read or heard of a um, prominent conservationist and author named Jim Posowitz by yep. chance? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had occasion to interview him for a movie project, a film project. We're Inherit the on. Hunt, right? Yeah, he wrote and, that. And Beyond yeah. Fair Chase? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is, that's a staple in hunter education now. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, interviewed him for a documentary we're doing. What, what do you got going on over there, Remy? I, I was just checking things, but I couldn't find the, the fines or any of that. But there is a, a regulation book sitting right there somewhere, if you see it, just on the do top. Do you got anything? Because I know you've been busy and you've been doing a great job, but is there anything you uh, need to add at this point? Well, I think with some of the violations, you know, the fines, even like say these trophy areas or whatever, I would think, why don't they just open it up to an auction? See how much someone would pay for that tag? Because I know it's quite a bit more than they're paying for the fines for. And then, and oh, then charge yeah. them that so they double. So somebody gets a tag next year for that price. Like the dude that shot and then that, the guy that shot it has to pay that yeah, price. Yeah, the dude that got that gigantic buck off that uh, winter range area in Wyoming. Yeah. yeah. That was a $100,000 buck. Right. Why don't, why don't we let uh, the, the market decide what that guy's fine is? Auction off one tag, see well, what and, it goes. And, and that's of. the thing. I mean, you think about how valuable wildlife is anymore. And I mean, that's how, that's how civil penalties should be assessed, you know, is what, you know, granted, more people, some people have more money than others. But I mean, yeah, what's in the reality, market that's, value of yeah, it yeah, exactly. Because it's a lot more than $3,000, $2,000, what I mean. Yeah. You know, in some of these places, people are paying 10 times that to go yep. shoot something like that. Yeah, and here's somebody stole it from a guy that could have drawn that tag on his own. And now, you know, he's taking from everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it doesn't seem like the return is the same as, you know, especially if it's something that was 100% intentional and he's set out that day to go make that violation. Yeah, that's another thing I want to ask you about. But, uh, but there's, make this Jim Possible's point real quick. Um, he said something to me when I was talking to him that, that's really, really uh, stuck with me. We were talking about like unethical hunting practices, but I think it's appropriate for poaching too. And he's like, why, why it's so offensive, as he was explaining, is, is that we've created like the symbol of American wildlife. Okay. So an elk, for instance, has its value because of this system we've created around it where it's like, this wild animal that takes a skill set and effort to go get, okay? It's elusive. It's hard. You have a lot of areas where success rates are 10 or 20%, right? So the elk's value was created by a monitored system of wildlife management, okay? It's, there's an exclusivity to the animal, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you when you cut corners to get it, what you're chasing after is the value that was created by the legitimacy of the pursuit. Mm -hmm. And you just want like you want the symbolism, and you're cashing in on the value of something, but you're doing it in a way that like completely disrespects where the value came from. Like a shooting a gigantic bull elk. It's like buying. It's like buying a. Uh a fancy watch in, in downtown Manhattan, but you're only paying 25 bucks for it. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? You're kind of like, no, there's this company Rolex that makes these yeah, great it, watches. It, so when people see that, 
they think, oh, this is a man of means. Exactly. With taste and class. Yeah. yeah. But I just bought it for 20 bucks. And then here I am, and now people are going to think the same way about me. Yeah, and here I have a 200-inch a, a mule deer on my wall, and man, that's a heck of a mule deer, you know? And yep. what's the story behind I'm that? I'm cashing in on all the glory created by all the dudes out there pounding the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I got it for 20 bucks. And that, it's a, it, <laughs> Yeah, and it's a great point that Jim makes, you know? And, and I mean, we've, we've done it to ourselves in society you know it's it just that the value has gone up and up and up yeah you know do you have anything else remy right now that, that's it but i'll jump in when i cool uh you, you were just talking remy you made a point about especially when you've got malicious intent or like yeah, you're I, like like clearly you're like you didn't like accidentally poach yeah i i've seen well i have a newspaper clipping in in a cookbook that i have at home that's got the picture of a dead llama in the back of a truck and this guy legitimately thought that it was an elk yeah you know and it's like i mean that's just plain stupid but then i've been around here before and seen people driving into a check station or whatever going oh look at this white tail i shot and it's a bifurcated four by four 28 inch mule deer you're going oh my god yeah what's and so i mean not I, think malicious intent. I think there's like a non-malicious intent a true accident and then just plain stupid and plain stupid's up with malicious intent but not as much as an yeah a, which an is, accident or something yeah like and that. it's uh yeah there, there there was this old game warden that i i used to work work with and he, he's since retired but you know he used to use the old comparison of it walks like a duck quacks like a duck looks like a duck it's a duck and and so but he would replace duck with poacher you know and and so it's it it's a very broad statement but once you do once you're a game warden or a ceo for long enough you kind of figure it out there are those people that make honest mistakes. And so you have to, you know, handle those situations as an educational opportunity. And then there's others that are premeditated and malicious about it. And, and so, but it's a, it, it, it's a fine line that you walk trying to decide on, you know. But you do, you do practice leniency. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you know the mistake was made. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You had sent me a thing where a guy... You'd send me a thing where you were observing some fishermen. Didn't you send this to me? No. Someone sent this to me. <laughs> I thought when we were like early communicating about you coming on, you sent me a thing where a guy had, um, where a fisherman had like caught some fish and had them on a stringer. And act like oh, he, that was probably in the magazine. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah not yeah. a video. It was a yeah. magazine yeah, article. It was an article. Yeah, yeah, it was an article. You sent, yeah, a copy yeah. of the Idaho Warden magazine. Yeah, yeah. But a guy like a, a warden observes a dude. Yeah. Catching fish that he wasn't allowed to have. Probably gross over limits. Is put him on what a string, was. and then when the warden goes down, um, he's like, "Catch any? No. Well, what's that string out there?" And then the guy would wait around, act like he couldn't find it, and they'd all gotten away. Yeah. Yeah, li letting them off. Yeah, and then the yeah. warden went out and probably found the stringer right where he thought it yep. was. Yeah. So there you got a guy, he's like just outright bullshitting uh, you. Yeah, absolute intent. Yeah. Which would, which would kind of like almost make it like personal. Yeah, but you can't. So that that's another thing that, you know, for, for young officers to understand that it, it's, not, it's not personal, mm -hmm. you know. Um, 
yeah, you wear this uniform today, but and it, it probably is an affront to, to the uniform, you know, like, hey, I'm going to get one over on the game warden, you yeah. know, but they don't look at the name tag, you know, it's, you're, you're the guy in the green and the gray, I mean, that's what our uniforms are in Idaho, and so it's the guy or the gal in the green and the gray, I'm going to get one over on the, on the, the game warden, and that's all it is, you know, at night, you can't go home taking everything personal, I mean, it would drive you crazy. Yeah, you know, I got you. You know, it, it, it's just not a good way to conduct business because then you just get, yeah. Just, you, I mean, there's still hunters, there's still fishermen, there's still licensed buyers. There are great hunters and fishermen out there, you know, and in reality, almost upwards of, uh, it's probably close to 99% of the contacts that, that we as CEOs make don't involve a violation. It's just a regular old compliance contact, which is, is great. You know, it's whether it's a fisherman or uh, you go into a camp during the fall. I mean, there's no violations. Everybody's compliant. I mean, it, 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 and to even push it further, if you've built the relationship with those people and then you look, kind of look forward to seeing them. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, look, the folks from such and such are back camped out at that same spot. Oh, man, they got a new wall tent this year. So, so you, you, fi- you find yourself rooting for the people. Like... You pull up, you're not like, man, I hope they have a violation. Yeah, absolutely not. But with that being said, when you get out of the truck, you're like, is there a violation? You're not like, man, I hope I get to write a ticket. Absolutely not. Yeah, and if that's, how you're doing doing, your job. if that's how you're doing your job, you know, that, oh, I want to I write a ticket, then that's a poor way of doing the job. If you get out of the truck and say, my job is for compliance, and, I, and if there's a violation, I'm going to find it without a doubt. But you don't like hope, man. I hope this next camp has a violation. I hope I get a ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that's not how we operate. So what about people who come? Let's just say a hypothetical that you. I don't like hypotheticals. No, no. Okay. <laughs> just something I've seen happen. I know what happens. Yeah. You shoot a deer and you go there. There's two deer landers because you know there's one behind the deer. Okay. Guy comes to you and says, calls up. I got a problem. Mm-hmm. here's what happened do you is that different to you let's say okay let's say this happens to two guys both we just know because of omniscient knowledge we know that both were accidental mm-hmm. one comes and tells you about it now they're both accidental one guy comes and tells you about it one you find out about mm-hmm do you view those two situations differently? They're Absolutely. Both, they're both accidents. Uh, it, it, so, yeah, and it, it happens a lot. And we have this discussion with, with people that violate. And, it, it, you know, you can make uh, a, a poor action worse by the way you respond to it. I got you. You, you know, and so um, you can dig yourself a much deeper hole. But, and if you would just be honest and come forward right away, that hole would not have gotten dug at all, right? And so that guy that reported that accidental kill, yeah, there's ways of handling that, and it doesn't always involve a violation or writing a citation. Is that right? But the guy that leaves the other one on the hill and then just denies he shot it until you dig a bullet out and be like, yeah, this, this 270 lead, you know? What are you shooting, a 270? You, you don't, well, no, it couldn't have been me. Was there anybody else here with you? No, yeah. no. Well, let's line up the shot here. And yeah, it's how they handle the situation. And yeah, you, you can make matters a lot worse. 
you know, and a lot of times that you, you see that, you know. So you would say, like, and not just doing your job, but just being a just just being a guy. Mm-hmm. You would say that it's better to call up and go, "I have a problem." Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, and we see it all the time. The few times that we had to call, we, and we would call in when we had a violation. Some, you know, you'd leave a client. For, talking when you were guiding. Yeah, when I was guiding in Colorado, we'd leave a client, and uh, I had a guy shoot a mule deer doe once. Thought it was a you know small small cow elk, and uh, that. And I kept trying to think what the other one was, but but twice basically the the warden came up and uh, looked the whole situation over and was like, all right, pay for the processing, donate the meat. You just keep keep your tag and keep hunting. Yeah, it's like wow. Really? Yeah. And those are individual. You know, there's a there's kind of this this unwritten playbook, I guess you could say, how to handle those situations. You know, and a lot of times that that's what you see an officer will do is you know, or say that say that they do shoot the elk. Um, the it, say they they shoot a bull, but a pass through kills a cow. Okay, so now you have a cow on the hill. And so rather than, uh, you know, leaving that on there, they leaving it on the hill, they call and report it. You go up and be like, okay, well, you guys need to pack that thing down to my truck and we're going to take it to the food bank. That's back to that whole thing that there's opportunities for people to get game meat other than going out and poaching it. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and paying for the processing, you know. Um, and so the those are the way you kind of handle those things. And it's a good way. I mean, it's a good way for everybody you know, yeah. Actually, they would always give us a choice. It was like that, or lose your license and you can't hunt next year. <laughs> They'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, yeah, we, we, I don't, we don't give choices. It's a, uh, you know, because then it, it's almost like extortion in a yeah. way. Like, yeah. hey, you know, you, you, you hold fast with your decision. No, this is what I've done fifty other times. This is what I do. This yeah. is how I handle the situation. So. Does the bulk of your does the bulk of your uh, more uh, high profile is not the word I'm looking for, um, but serious offenses? Okay, serious. I'm I'm moving away from accidents now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you look at you know over the last few years or whatever, and you look at the the bulk of your what you'd call poaching cases, like intentional mm-hmm. malicious intent poaching cases. Do most of those cases originate from tip lines or do they originate from just field work and having officers on the ground? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question, Steve, because we uh, in Idaho, um, I, get, I think it was 2012, we had a, uh, a study done on our law enforcement program done by the University of Idaho. And that was actually um, kind of one of the questions that got teased out of how do you report violations. And so very few of the violations come from the, the cap line. Most of them come from um, contact with an individual officer. Really? Because people, it, aren't, people aren't using the lines or they don't know how they, to they use they them do, effectively. They, they, they don't know how to use them effectively. I mean, the, the cap line gets a pile of calls, but when you, you start teasing it out and you're like, well, geez, this, this isn't a, this isn't a violet, you know, this is not a violation, you know, like, oh, I've, I, I see five dumped carcasses. Well, it's because somebody was too lazy to take it to the dump and they, wanted to, they didn't want to put it in their garbage can because pickup wasn't until, you know, Tuesday and today's Monday or, you know, Wednesday of the, the previous week. So, you know, they don't want it stinking yeah, up and so they just yeah. go take it and dump it somewhere. Or they hear a shot. 
they hear a shot and somebody like, must well, be poaching. Hunting season? Yeah. So I can say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there's, you know, that's kind of where it all balances yeah. out. So the tip line gets inundated with calls, but not a lot of like real workable stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does get workable stuff and they're very, very, they're a great tool. And I would encourage anybody that witnesses a violation to, to call it, you know, in Idaho and I'm sure in most Western states and they, there's a, a reward for reporting violations and that are yeah. successfully in Utah, they've got a deal where if you report a violation and it's convicted in a trophy unit, you receive a tag the next year. Right. I don't think there's any, but I, Are I you go kidding out there me? looking <laughs> for violations. Dude, I just sit I'm down the go hill. to the Henry's and just start <laughs> blasting for violators. Because <laughs> I, I would catch a violator probably quicker than I'd ever draw a tag. You're kidding me. No, that's a cool... That's a great way to get a tag. Yeah, because like the money thing just seems kind of ambiguous. But it's like, oh, if I could have a tag here next year, oh. Well, plus uh. we could do something. We could get a guy that doesn't hunt anyway. <laughs> Send him in there <laughs> to commit a crime. But see, we then, glass him up, turn I'll, him in. He takes the fall, and we get a sweet tag. No, see, you take. He gets the fall, you get the tag, then I report the conspiracy, <laughs> then I get the tag. Remy's got to figure it out. Two tags. <laughs> the dominoes are beginning to fall. That's a great. That's a great idea, man. I wonder if they've given out any tags yet. I don't know. So, but a lot of those, Steve, they, they it comes down to it, again. It comes back to those relationships. It's so important as a field officer to. But to but, have, but, but but let me back you up because you were saying so you were comparing tip line to what. To individual officer relationships and reports directly to officers. Oh, okay. I thought you meant officers just sniffing stuff out. You're nope. saying, oh. No reported violations to so officers. So people will call their yeah. officer more and readily. And we still, I mean, it, as far as reports, yeah, there's far more that come that are successfully prosecuted through officer contact than there is the people, tip line. So people being familiar with their officer. Yeah calling their officer directly and saying, hey, here's what's up. Yeah. I see what you're saying yeah. now. I, yeah, it's... I've, wa- I've like watched a few people poaching before and breaking numerous violations and called the tip line and it was like, nothing happened. Then they came back the next weekend, did the same exact thing, and I just called the local officer and within a matter of, you know... An hour, the guy was yeah completely yeah he'd been charged and everything. Yeah. So why do you think that is? I, I, I the so this time of the year the the tip lines are inundated with calls and again they don't a lot of them don't add up and then um, there a lot of them are call centers and so you're not getting all the information and but it just a. I, like I said, it's just having that positive relationship in your communities, and then people just know that you know you're going to treat treat those this, the next person the same way, you know, and so they're more willing to give you good information with reportable violations that are prosecutable. Now, what was the uh, what's been the worst like poaching case you've worked? Uh, it, it, so over 16 years, of course, there's been all kinds. I, it, it just runs the gamut, and and so it's kind of say like what the worst is, you know, like, you, like a you, so memorable, memorable, interesting, worst, like just a handful. It, 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 I mean, every year it gets more memorable, you know. It's like we we were looking at those uh, those decoy videos. I mean, yeah, they're pretty, they're egregious violations, and they're you know, I think that most people would be appalled when they watch them. You yeah, know? so but, so he uh, was showing us. 
before we came out, you showed us videos of uh, ASAs. Yeah, yeah. Artificially simulated animals. Yeah, so basically, uh, when you got some people you know are up to no good, you put out like a fake deer or elk. Yep. And then just see what happens when they drive by. Yeah. And this thing doesn't look like a target. This thing looks like a, it's like a full taxidermy mount. Yeah. Right? yeah, which is in that public opinion survey that we did, um, that is ranked as one of the, the lowest acceptable forms of enforcement that we use by People the public. They don't like it? They think it's entrapment? No, they don't think it's entrapment. They just don't like to be duped. They don't like to be tricked is, is how it goes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But I think that had three, it had a handful of cases. It's, 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 it's on YouTube, right? Yeah. You just yeah, go to YouTube, the, go to on, Idaho Fishing Game. Yep. Yeah. Um, so they got it. There's, they put one out at night on a road. And this son bitch knew what he was doing <laughs> because this dude rolls up and is instantly out of the truck shooting. Yep. Like he knew In the headlights. Out. He was like night hunt. Yep. Because there's no way you'd have, he didn't take enough time to like assess the situation, look around for his gun. Yeah. This guy like piled out of the passenger side and blam, blam. And a lot of those guys that we get in those situations, they got sneakers on. Like there is no way they're getting out of the truck that day. They have no intention. The shoe that hits the dirt (laughs) is the only one's shoe. They have no intention of getting out of the truck that day. They're just going to go road hunt all day. Yeah. You know. And another one, some people roll up on a ASA that's a cow elk. Yep. And the shooter is just riding around in the back of the truck. Shorts. With shorts on. But a camo jacket. But already in the back of the truck, like ready to roll, yep. get some cracks off. But her, her, the driver, her man or whoever it was, he, he had a good cow call coming out of yeah, the, the cab. Yeah, he's cow calling out, out of the truck. Yeah. Another guy, it was like some a party that was shooting a lot of whitetails out of a boat. Uh, officer said, can't be shooting that whitetails out of the boat. Next year, they put one out on the edge of the lake. They like to hunt out of their boat. They pull up and, what, rip off 14 shots at it? Yeah, in a minute, 30 seconds, 36 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, out of two bolt-action rifles, which, I mean, that's a lot of reloading going on. The one with the uh, lady in the back of the truck shooting kind of made me think, like, I've seen, you know, a handful of wildlife violations that I've reported, and a lot of them had family there. Like, there was kids, there was, and it's almost like, they're just raised, like, when I teach someone how to hunt, like, you know, ethics and this and that goes into it. And it's like, they're just doing the exact opposite in poaching. Like, do you see that a lot where it's almost a generational thing? Like, that's how we hunt. That's how they learned. And so, yeah, it comes back to that situational ethics, Remy. And so in some, in a lot of these communities that we work, I mean, they're very rural. And so you as the officer are one of the lead hunter ed hunter education instructors and so you know all these kids and then shoot a couple years later here they do they come rolling up blasting the decoy you know and it's just like hey weren't you were you in my hunter ed class you know and it's just like what what where'd we go wrong you know yeah, yeah. Or, or hey who you know you don't recognize when it'd be like hey who'd you who'd you take hunter ed from oh officer such and such well i, I know he covered this so what's the deal you know, and it's that situational ethics. They just, you know, like one of them, one of the things that sticks out to me is a, is another decoy. And, and we spend a lot of time in the region that I work in dealing with decoys because we have a trespass issue and a road hunting issue, which is a, is a safety issue is what it comes down to. And they, uh, I mean, they, it was a granddad taking his, his grandson out, 
and, and it's not like granddad was old. He was in his 50s, but it was 10 degrees that morning. And so here we are standing out in the bushes in the dark, freezing our butts off. And then lo and behold, they come rolling up. And this kid just took Hunter Ed that year, you know? And it's just like, and granddad's got sneakers on. He's like, well, it's 10 degrees. You think we're going to go walk in the woods? Well, why'd you even leave the house then? You know, yeah. it just, I, I don't know. They just lose their mind. Do you think that, but, but some of these people, it's not. Like, I could see if you had some gigantic buck decoy out. Yeah, and it's not. <laughs> yeah, but I could see then you might have some guy pull up and, like, the gears are turning, right? And he's like, this is wrong. But, man, but the people you were showing us aren't. They're ready to roll. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. They're, they're, like, actively out hunting. Yeah. Can yeah. you actually not put out large, like, because um, I'd heard that maybe... You used to be able to, but now you can no longer put out like trophy size animals. We, yeah, we don't have anything in, in in our whether it's our our policies or standard operating procedures that prohibits us from doing that. We just oh, don't. Right. We don't need to. It, it's the it's so brother, rampant. The one my brother rolled up on was a big mule deer in eastern Montana. He rolled up on a big mule deer. Uh huh. Yeah, and we and he we, said it had an electronic neck. Yeah, they, you know, tail flaps. But he said he was looking at it, trying to figure out what was wrong with it, and all of a sudden someone's banging on his window, telling him to move along. <laughs> but he said it was a nice buck. Yeah, I had a I had a buddy a couple of years ago that was coming out of a spot and uh, and saw a really big bull on the side of the road, and it just stood there, and stood there, and he looked at it and he's like, "Man, those guys must be running a decoy," and then he he, he drives off and. He ends up texting me. He's like, man, I saw you guys' decoy. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, aren't you guys running that the bull elk on such and such a road? Nope, not us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it was, a, it was a live elk just standing there being stupid, you know? He probably ran back to crack. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He was just like, oh, unbelievable. So, but I, like one, of, I think, like I said, there's, you know, not toot my horn but there's been a lot of memorable cases but kind of earlier on in my career worked with another officer that would receive information that these two women had drawn moose tags and that their husbands were actually bull bull moose which is a trophy species in idaho yep. once in a lifetime and so the husbands had already killed their bull moose once in a lifetime and so now they had in their pockets mm. their their wives and so we were yeah, it was a, a grand scheme that was just absolutely foiled. And so and so they each got $10,000 fines. So they each went up killing a bull. Yep. And you guys kind of knew who was going to be pulling the trigger on those yep. hunts. Oh, yeah. We had all the information we needed. And yep. And it was just a matter of tracking them down and interviewing them and coordinating that the wives were nowhere to be found. They were 200 miles on the other side of the state. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. No, 10,000 bucks is a kick in the nuts, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah and a revocation that goes along with it. Oh, so know? that comes with a pull, pull your privileges. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every, every, vial, every misdemeanor, you can have your license revoked for up to a year, or not more than three years, I guess it is. Yeah. And then you're losing it in 42 states. Yeah, yeah. That would stink. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe... 
how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater applying for tags each year in the west can be daunting yeah i apply for everything everywhere it's daunting you have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply well this is a thing of the past now onyx just launched hunt research tools to simplify the process for all hunters this tool helps organize the data that matters makes comparing hunt options easy and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics rather than gut feelings. OnX Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground insight and knowledge and a membership to Hunt Reminder so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out OnX Hunt Research Tools free for all on x hunt elite members not an elite member well let's fix that use code meat eater to receive 20 percent off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this is an app i use literally every day i use it for every aspect of hunting scouting trapping you name it hey man after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers if you've learned anything it's that there is always a catch so when i heard that for a limited time all mint mobile wireless plans are 15 dollars a month when you purchase a three-month plan i thought well what's the catch but it turns out there isn't one Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Yeah, man. And that happens. And you can, can't hunt in Texas hunting, either. You'd be hunting Jersey and Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, in, in Texas. In Nebraska. Yeah. Well, Nebraska, be, you know, Hawaii's got a good hunt. Yeah. Um, man. So what? what's your message to, um, like, like, what's your message to sportsmen when it comes to adherence to the law? Do you ever get to say to a guy, a poacher, right? Do you, ever, do you ever get to tell them, like, man, here's why you ought to be with the program? 
Uh, I don't get into the, the point of lecturing no. very much. No. You know, one, you know, sometimes they're just absolutely ticked off that they got caught. And so it's not the time nor the place because of officer safety to, to have that conversation, you know. Got you. And so, um, you know, and some guys, you know, I, I had another supervisor back in the day. It's long since, since retired that he'd be like, yeah. He's like, see that guy? He found religion, you know, and he referred to that he was a reformed poacher, yep. you know, and, and so, yeah. And some so, guys, they, they, they turn around and then other guys are just like, catch me again, yep. you know. And so you like, don't take the time to be like, you know, this is awfully abstract, but you're stealing this from your fellow man. Oh, uh, yeah. No, we, <laughs> in some instances we do, you know, and you, you kind of, it's not so much the guilt trip, but, you know, it's not so much, you know, I put it in terms of, man, you got kids, you got a grandkid, you're stealing this from them. You're not hurting me. You're hurting them. You know, yeah. you're hurting the next generation. This has nothing to do with me. You know, you're stealing from somebody else. And we have that conversation routinely, you know, and, and I think when you put it in those terms, sometimes people see the light. They don't, you know, they don't put it in that broad perspective of who they're Because they're really, probably looking at it as a victimless crime. And that's what all wildlife crimes are, is a victimless crime. You know, you look at traditional policing in the United States, there's always a victim, right? And, and, you know, whether it's a homicide or, you know, something like that. Stealing a lawnmower, whatever. Yeah, there's always, a, there's always a victim. But in wildlife crime, you know, yeah, it's the, it's the property of the state. And then, you know, the residents are the state. But in the end, you it's know, too abstract if, if you don't know, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know, right? And so yeah. it just it ends up being a victimless crime. And so, it, yeah, in the end, I mean, it, it comes down to an appreciation of wildlife and what, what its value is, you know, and, and, you know, are you willing to do it right? It, it's, it, it's hard to understand why some people do it, you know, because they'll just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. But, like, I think, like, like the, what this guy was saying about just people doing it for the, for the bragging rights, I do really think that that's, at least the kind, the kind of poaching I find most problematic, I really think is people saying, I want the recognition. I want the respect that comes with success in hunting. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be able to demonstrate to my peers, right? But I don't want to go through all that bullshit and have all the uncertainty. I just want to get it like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to take so the I easy come route. Home I can come home and be the guy that got one. Yep. Yeah. It, that it, it, troubles it, me more than like a dude who, you know, whatever, shoots a white-tailed doe for the freezer. As wrong as it is, it's just like different to me. I, now, I know, you, I know that, that, that that like goes against everything, right, that, that you probably believe in being the job you have and mm -hmm. everything. But just like I like I like you do, you draw like, you know, we have like all these relatives when it comes, not relatives like people related to you, but you make like relative comparisons mm -hmm. of, of worse and worse and worse, you know? Then you have like the, you know, like the, the, the folk hero Robin Hood, right? I mean, yeah. you know, he'd poach the king's game to, to, to give the meat to the poor. To the poor. Yeah. So it is kind of like ingrained in your head. There's like, it, there's like an acceptable thing well, and that's like I was saying earlier with the with the, the the old you know 
where it's the old guy, you know, we're going to keep doing this, but hey, we're not going to report violations because they needed the re- they needed the meat. Yeah, you know, it's that to minimize the whole violation. But yeah, itself. but you're, you're po- yeah, but I get your point. Like, it's not the Great Depression anymore. No, nope. No, and, and society has, you know, we see it more and more that society has placed a pretty significant value on wildlife in the United States. I mean, that is why it's held in public trust, right? Because we all value it. Yep. It's just nowadays, in this time, we have placed even more value on it, you know? You know, like, it would be interesting to hear from you three. Like, I mean, Remy already kind of pointed it out with the Utahs. Was the Utah example or yeah, just that how much how much an auction tag would go for, you know, and how much that value is. But, you know, I think that all of us would agree that, you know, wildlife, any, you pick any species has a specific value, you know, to you, whether it's a intrinsic or a monetary value, you know, it just, that's how. Yeah. I think I always think about when I think about preservation of wildlife and and being a law abiding hunter and all things go with it. Um, at a time in our nation's history, for a long time, we had uh, wildlife kind of like we had wildlife despite our best efforts to eradicate it. Meaning just uncontrolled market hunting, right? Yeah. Environmental exploitation, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like we were devouring. The, the, the resources, and we still had some. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, and I think about that, and, you know, as part of, part of conservation, like I said earlier, is, you know, you think about those times, whether it was market hunting for uh, plumage, for women's hats, or uh, unregulated bison hunting, you know, that almost decimated or did decimate populations. What was the thing that stopped it all? Regulations, right? Yeah. That's what changed everything. Not, not us doing biology. It was about re- regulations exactly. and the fear of getting caught. And so, yeah. It, yeah, that was, that, was, that was like the, the follow-up point I was going to make is now we have wildlife in this country because people have worked their asses off in order to have it. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're kind of by happen chance anymore. No, not at all. Now it's there because, no, because we put together this elaborate system by which we could have civilization coexist with wildlife. What's allowed that is creating laws and enforcing them. Yep. Had we never got around to doing that in, in the years, basically, from around 1900 to around 1930, mm-hmm. if we hadn't put together the suite of wildlife laws we have now, you, and I'm not like pulling this out of my ass. I mean, you would not have American wildlife. Well, yeah, and you look at um, the Lacey Act was from the 1930s, right? Yeah. I think is one, or the 70s. When was Lacey Act? I should know this. Oh, the one that legal wildlife trafficking. Yeah, yeah. I think that I don't know if that came a little later, but like Pittman Robertson, yeah, nineteen thirties ban on market hunting. Yep. Yeah, that that stuff all came out around that time, and then the ban on you know sale of you know sale of plumage, Migratory Bird Act. You know, yeah, like a whole suite of things started coming out. I don't know, well, somewhat earlier because I think it was still the eighteen nineties, and Wyoming made it um, a, a, a jailable offense to kill a buffalo, mm-hmm. right? And then it became illegal to sell wild game in New York City and yep. then, you know, on and on. And we created this thing and then we had this radical rebound. 
Um, and now we take some yeah. of us, and and that's the, the I think that's a a point we need to clarify though is that um, most hunters and anglers, the vast majority, are law abiding, and and very committed conservationists. It's just yeah. that very few that that ruin it. Oh yeah, and I know a lot of people will say like, oh, we shouldn't be having this conversation because you're uh, you know you're making it look like all the stuff goes on. But we're talking about real stuff that goes on. Yeah. But I think that like a poacher should know that the reason he even has something to poach is because of wildlife laws. Yeah, exactly. It's not like wildlife laws aren't keeping you from the resource. Wildlife laws created the resource. Yep. Or allowed the resource to exist. Yeah, and and they they absolutely take it for granted. Yeah, um, I think it's like I think it might be motivated in some part by a lack of historic perspective. Yeah, I think historic perspective and, and, and appreciation. Yeah. You know, th- like you said, it, we have these wildlife numbers now because of our forefathers um, decided that it was important. That we were going to spell out stuff you can do, stuff you can't do. Yeah, yeah. And so now, yeah, they just take it for granted. and be like, ah, oh, you know, shoot, there's another whitetail buck out there somewhere. What, you know, what's one? Yeah. yeah. Remy, what's your concluding thoughts? I just, uh, I'm going to go a You're little still lower brow. Check. You're oh, still yeah. fact It was the 1900, 1900 Lacey Act. Lacey? Was, was, that, was that early? 1900. And some of the laws, it looks like 1907, were starting to be enforced. That's, wow. uh, I was just glancing. But, um, but no, but I think that like, the whole Pittman-Robertson thing was 27 or yeah, 30s. I think so. Yeah, it was the, the Federal Restoration and Wildlife Act. Yeah. And that was when they put excise taxes on firearms and ammunition to support to support wildlife conservation. That was PR, Pittman Roberts, yep. and then and then Dingle Johnson, Dingle Johnson was fishing. Is, yep, yep. So yeah. what do you mean you're gonna go more lowbrow? I want to know what the dumbest thing you've ever seen is. Oh, that's because <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, no, your concluding thought can be a question. Yeah, because that I mean, I think that's just. There's got to be some stuff that you've seen. It's like, oh my gosh, this is, this I, I is think pretty that stupid. <laughs> that, that, the decoy one with the gal riding under the back of the truck. I mean, I've seen lots of stupid stuff, but that one. So to put that one in perspective, you know, like the, the, the program, you know, says they were actually targeted that, that couple and they had drove by two weeks before that spot and we had contact them regular old compliance check. And we're like, man, there's going to be a tag transfer here. The guy's going to shoot her elk. Never would I have imagined that she was going to be riding into the bed of the truck, but they had already drove by the decoy once and we were like, man, they, they didn't, didn't see, see it. it. Yeah. They didn't glass it up. They, no, they didn't see it. It's standing <laughs> out in the stubble field. It's like, God oh, darn it. And then, then they they ended up turning around and i can see them and then they came back i mean that in itself is unbelievable they were already contacted i mean within that hundred yard stretch of that roadway they were contacted by myself and another uniform officer just 10 days before that and so saying what telling them what just a regular compliance check and then when we when we got done you know checking licenses and tags and um we're like hey you got permission here oh yeah yeah and it's like yeah I don't, it doesn't sound like you do. It doesn't sound like you know who the landowner is. And, uh, and so, yeah, just regular old compliance check. And as we're walking back to the, the patrol vehicle, you know, the officer I'm with, and we're both like, he's going to shoot her elk. There's no question about it. Lo and behold, no, not at all. 
she's going to shoot it from the bed of the pickup, <laughs> laying on the <laughs> the roof so of the when cab. You guys, when you guys put the decoy out, you figured the dude would show up and shoot at it. Yeah, yeah, with her tag. Turned out he was just a great caller. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. What's your concluding thought, Yanni? It's a concluding follow-up question, too. Um, I've always been interested about, like, the pursuit of game in a vehicle, right? We know you can't shoot from motorized vehicle. Mm-hmm. And you can't, In like, Idaho. In Idaho. Yeah, well, Yeah. Yeah, it's with probably, the exception of waterfowl, there's probably only just a few states. But then you can't shoot can't, waterfowl unless the motor's cut and the and, and all forward motion yeah. is ceased. Yeah. yeah, so we'll speak just for Idaho. But I'm guessing you can't harass wa- wildlife no. from a vehicle. Nope. Nope. So you can't like corral them or herd them nope. or drive them. Nope. But these days, a lot of times you get in a situation where. So how do they spell out like motorized use to? like pursue an animal is that so it would be as an aid to hunting yeah um there's specific um hunt with the motorized vehicle so and and we we kind of touched on it earlier that definition of hunt is very broad chase pursue harass um it's very broad and so it's easy to fill in what they're doing see that's i've always i think maybe you're kind of thinking of like some arizona regulations as well maybe because i think in arizona if, if i spot Say I'm sitting in my truck with a window mount and I spot an elk. I have to leave. I can't actually go after that elk because I would be from a motorized vehicle. No, you couldn't. No, you technically you couldn't drive over there and then go after it. That's kind of my question: is where do you, do you guys, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw oh, the you line? Say you can't glass from a truck. Well, but let's just say no, you're a mile away, and then you drive over. You're, you're to not it. even near the truck. You glass an animal. Oh, drive! Then, oh, then you drive to you within four hundred yards. Yeah. Oh. You get out. You get out again, and then you hike up there. Yeah, it's a very fine line. I mean, in in North Idaho, where we all work, I mean, it, it's plain as day. They're just, you know, for a lack of any better term, because it's not defined in in the regulations. Road hunting, that term in itself. I mean, we all know what it looks like. But it's, uh, I mean, that would be that hunt with a motorized vehicle. Now, what Remy's talking about, spotting elk like 200 or two miles away and then driving a mile and then hiking the other mile up to them, I mean, that would certainly be within, within bounds. So in, in Idaho, though, say you, you're driving down a forest service road. You look over, you see a deer. You so get out and you are... I don't know what your rule is for shooting off a road or whatever. You can't like, shoot from a publicly right. maintained highway. So if you're on a forest service road and you're actually off the road and the, you know, yeah. so you're not violating any, is that so? So the, the, the way that we, the, the question that we usually ask, are you looking for something to hunt? Or are you looking for a place to hunt? Okay. Y- right? Right. So, so for that road hunter, you know, are you, are you looking for a place to hunt? Are you looking for something to hunt? Yeah. Right? It makes sense, right? Yeah. If you're just driving around all day looking for deer out of the truck, we got a problem. If you're like incidentally driving and all of a sudden, you know, you're like, holy crap, slam on the brakes, get off the road, make sure you're not on posted property. Yeah, it's a different story. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, my, my concluding thought, and I don't even want you to respond to it. I think more states need to take a better look at radio hunting. Radio hunting. Yeah, like using electronic communications. Some states are out in front of it. Alaska, 
Montana. It's legal in Idaho and Nevada, but yeah. not Montana. Yeah, so I'm saying. And that's, that's that, you know, regulations are just hard to keep up with technology, but it's, particularly. I know, but it's going to get, it's like, it's going to get worse and worse and yeah, worse. Yeah, and, and yeah, absolutely. I definitely and, agree and with you. It's I, like, quote, I quoted Le- Aldo Leopold earlier. Aldo Leopold said, we're always improving the pump, but not the well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, ethics is constantly evolving. Hunter ethics is constantly evolving, you know. But, but in this case, it, but that's the interesting point. But in this case, it's different than that because in this case, we're talking about emerging technology. Yeah. Not traditional use, but yeah. emerging tech. Every, clearly, drones, people have no problem getting out ahead of the drone issue. Yeah, and that was quick to do. Okay. And, and, so it's like, that. you know why it was quick and easy? Because there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a, an emerging culture that we're taking. of drone hunters. Mm-hmm. But I think that they're kind of missing the boat on getting out ahead of electronic communications. I think that's just going to get worse. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. No, go ahead and say what you... Well, so, uh, so on somebody's, somebody's reading list on the Meat Eater site, did, did somebody have Arctic Dreams? Yeah, me. I love that book. Was it, yeah, so in there... Lopez talks about uh, how anthropologists note the the hunting of um, buffalo by by cliff jumps, mm-hmm. and then also caribou by um, river crossings. And then, but at that time, that was an ethical practice, you know. And so, you know, which is interesting because today we would cringe if somebody did something like That's that. That's not true because there are still there are still units in Alaska where you can kill caribou in the water out of a boat with a twenty two. Oh, geez. Traditional use. Traditional use. No, I'm saying that was an area where that's, like a, that's how that's pe- traditional use. Yeah. That's how yeah. people have utilized that resource yeah. for a long time. And you can still sit at river crossings there and kill swimming care with a 22. Mm. But it's not, I mean, it, you can't do it. If I you're can't in that, no, do it. No, if you're in that unit. Anyone? No, I think you have to have a substance permit. So it's a subsistence so, only yeah, permit. Yeah. I don't know if that's that true is. or not. I'm, but I'm, I know that. I would look that up. But I'm. But like the law, positive. The law to tends not. to like favor traditional use, just like running deer with dogs in the south. Like you could run deer with the dogs in the south. Yeah. They they hang and quarter you if you ran deer with dogs in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Matter which fact, is in it, Michigan. Everyone looks at if they see a dog chasing deer, it's your civic duty to kill the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always a. And it comes back to the situational ethics. Like I said, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, people kind of get up in arms about, you know, whether it's um, chasing bears or lions with hounds. But then you, you, you look at like a, a guy hunting birds, upland. It's like, man, you got that little quail and that big dog chasing that thing. Yeah. Jeez, where, it, where's the balance? <laughs> and the way, but the way I look at it is, is that people have been running bears and lions with hounds for a hundred years. Yeah, a hundred years. Yeah. Boone hunted bears with dogs. Mm-hmm. That was how Boone did all of his bear hunting was with hounds. Yeah. So it's like traditional use practice. Some emerging technologies come in and you look at like like laser rangefinders really changed the game of hunting. Yes. Now you could look and say, oh yeah, they allow people to take real long shots. And I'm also say, okay, but they could also dissuade you from taking shots mm-hmm. you have no business taking because it tells you more information yeah like yeah. it's not an automatic it, it, it's like it, it could be helpful in other ways too besides just like 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 as leopold said it does more than just improve the pump mm-hmm. right yeah um but i think in some ways some stuff like two-way communications and i'm not outlandish to bring this up because a lot of states have and, and like 
these aren't like lefty states, Montana mm-hmm. and Alaska. I mean, like conservative states with strong hunting cultures yes. have gotten out and said two-way communications is not, it's not something we're going to, that's not a well, that's not a pump improvement we're looking at right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I think that shit's going to be, I think it's getting out of control and it's going to get worse. What do you think about, um, I've just kind of noticed this over recent years is something that I could see, it, it probably never, but google earth maps so you can be walking around now on your phone yeah and see exactly what's in front of you you yeah. no longer have to know the area as well as the person 10 yeah. years ago that had to read a topo map and actually hike around yeah but yeah okay so but then you could also say but then they had maps and prior to that they didn't have paper maps right yeah but, but what's the so like anything you look at is is it giving a disadvantage to the animals i don't know i think if you had some way that was giving you real-time imagery of where animals were i think that's something they would take a pretty serious look at yeah but i I don't imagine i'm just like from a pragmatic standpoint i don't imagine that fish and game agencies are going to start trying to control what mapping technologies you use see now here in montana it's illegal to use trail cameras after season starts right well yeah, but while there's an open season, but that's pretty much the entire year, because yeah. I mean there's there's bird seasons. There's there's always some there's that very there's that like two months where but you can't. That use. doesn't break my heart. No, it doesn't. Uh, mine either. I mean, yeah. I I actually think that like in Nevada, you can use trail cameras on antelope. Well, the guy that used to go out and shoot a Pope and young antelope had to work his ass off for it. He had to go out there and find the antelope. Mm-hmm. He had to spend days in the unit, figuring out where that antelope watered. Now you could just go out and if you've got enough money, you could set out a hundred trail cram- cameras on a hundred water holes and hunt one day. Yeah. Not that that doesn't take work, this, that, and the other thing, but your knowledge is not from hunting. It's from technology. Yeah. And I, but when I look at these rules, I also look at what sort of state we're talking about. Montana, is a is a very hunting friendly state. They just you know they, that initiative just came up where they're trying to ban trapping on public land got shot down by an overwhelming majority. So I'm like, when when Montana does something like okay no trail cams during season, I'm like okay that's coming from a hunting friendly position. That's not coming from a position of just trying to like limit people's activity in order to curb or curtail hunting. The trapping ban in Montana that got shot down, I'm like, that wasn't coming from a hunting-friendly position. That was just coming from the position of people trying to whittle away at your rights. So it's like you're weighing this stuff out all the time in your mind. What's your concluding thought? Uh, I think, you know, sportsmen just need to get involved. Support your local game warden. You like know, bring them muffins and... <laughs> coffee, you know, in the middle of the season. <laughs> Hot coffee, a- maybe a fresh-baked pie. Would you say on average that uh, COs are regarded or, um, uh, you know, just like, yeah, regarded? Do you get the respect you need? Just like on average, if it's one out of two times, are you like received in in a positive manner or in a negative manner? Positive. Absolutely positive. positive. Oh, yeah, yeah. People like to see you out there. Yeah, and in, in, in that public opinion, yeah, they say in that public opinion survey we did, they say they don't see us enough, which you got 1,100 square miles. It's hard to do. But um, Is that just a funding thing? If you guys had more funding, you'd have more COs? I have no idea. I have no idea. But it's just, a, you know, 
people generally enjoy seeing the game warden. They like to know that you're out there keeping the, the playing field fair. But it's, you know, it's not just the game warden doing that. It, you know, we need the help of, of sportsmen, you know, reporting violations when you see them. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of game wardens that are hunters, but it seems like now there's also, a lo- I've been seeing a lot more that are not hunters. They're just in the law enforcement aspect. But I almost think it is, that right? is imperative that, a game warden be a hunter himself because it they understand the value of the wildlife not as a law but as an animal that you value you hunt you eat and to me i just don't see how somebody that doesn't even hunt can yeah you know like make that work yeah and we in idaho we are still very stuck to you having some sort of hunting and fishing background now i don't think we we check, fact check, like, okay, so, so how many deer have you harvested over your lifetime? You know, how many days you've been out in the field? Um, but, you know, that's one of the things I impress on those new officers is, hey, you muzzleloader hunt? No. Well, you better start, you know. There's no better way to talk the talk than to be able to do it yourself, you yep. know. Um, it's like hound hunting, you know. It's, it, you know, has you ever been out behind hounds yeah no no you know that's what the new guy oh, yeah me. Oh, new okay. guy would say and or a new gal and well you need to go find one of your local houndsmen and buddy up to him and get a better understanding of what's going on here yeah so you, you know what you're looking trapping. At, so you know what you're looking at when you see it yeah yeah so i, I agree with you remy it's it, it's imperative to be a good game warden and an effective game warden to totally understand and have that skill set you know yeah it, it just helps you, you you know, it's a, in a way, as a game warden, you're a hunter yourself. You know, you're just hunting a, a poacher. You right. know what I mean? And so you got to understand, you got to understand where the game is and when to find the game, you know? And so it, just driving around patrolling, happenstance, running into things just doesn't work. Yeah. All right, so, man. We well, talked to a game warden the other day in Colorado, and I said, hey, you got anything cool you confiscated? And he said, um, it's too hot and sunny. No one's getting anything, so I can't confiscate anything. <laughs> so he knew. He knew the situation. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's looking at it with a hunter's perspective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's how, what you have to do. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. Thank you. If we can keep one guy from getting a ticket for something stupid that he should not have done and then decides not to do it because he listened to this, this will have been a successful program. It will. All right. Thank you. Hey, if you follow wildlife news at all, you're probably aware that the island of Maui has an incredible abundance of Axis deer, so much so that they're causing ecological 
damage. Well, Maui Nui venison is thinning out some of those Axis deer herds and delivering venison sticks and fresh cuts to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear.